0: You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live in Budgie Smuggler Studios in downtown Batuta. You're joined, of course, by myself, Clancy Overall, and Errol Parker. Hello, Errol. Hello, Clancy. How are you feeling? A bit nervous about this week's guests. I mean yeah, if we I'm if feeling we thought, very sane. If we thought Peter Dutton Uh, Already had a dirt file on us uh, beforehand. He definitely will after this. Uh, Today we are talking about espionage, statecraft, that's a new term I learned, by the way, statecraft, intelligence, and just a good uh, old-fashioned yarn about Australian spies. Uh, Joining us today we have David Cullen and Michelle Stevenson. Thank you for joining us. You guys are the hosts of I Spied, True Confessions of an ex ASIO Spook. Yeah, I'm the spook. You're the spook. Yeah. It wasn't me. It no, wasn't me. No. And you, you are effectively are uh, the interrogator. Yes.
1: I'm, I'm, yep. I am, I would like to think of myself as the foil. Yep. Um, I am the journalist. I am the one asking the questions because yep. if we let David just speak, God knows what comes out of his mouth. I've mm. got to really kind of hold him back. It'd
2: be like three-hour episodes. It'd go way too long. <laughs> so so shut
3: up. To borrow a term from our intelligence community, you'd be uh,
2: his handler.
1: I am his handler. That's a
2: really good way of looking at it. I always wanted to call you M. Because your name is Michelle,
0: yeah. and you're
1: kind of
2: like
0: M.
1: I mean, although I don't want to handle too much, mm. yeah. it gets a bit awkward.
0: Oh, there's a lot to handle too, lady. And I'm sure oh there's um, a lot of stories like this in your uh, in your podcast. I spied, which talks about the glitz, glamour, sex, and bureaucracy of Asia.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the sex and bureaucracy <laughs> in particular. Lots of it. Tons of bureaucracy and a little bit of sex.
0: So can we just quickly go into your stripes yeah. and then we'll get into how you two met and decided yeah, sure. to start this podcast. But what was your title when you worked inside the building? Well, I had many
2: titles. As you know, your designation would change as you go through. I started out as a COA, which is a clerical officer grade one or grade A. But in the end, my favorite one was Stinged. That yeah. was my last. S-T-I-N-G dash E-D yes. or Stinged. Which is terrible grammar. It should have been "stung" but "sting." Ed, I was the editor of the internal staff bulletin called the Sting. Okay, yeah. Called the Sting because AZO's call sign is Scorpion. Okay. Did
1: you know that? No. Wow. Yeah.
2: Scorpion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> scorpion. A great yeah. native Australian animal. Exactly, and yep. there are there are other intelligence services called my favourite Oyster. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why pick the most? <laughs> Like tasty, but revolting looking thing on the planet. It grows
3: very slowly and gets too attached to uh, its Which is its a great, roots, way of shell. Yeah.
2: <laughs> great way of describing any intelligence organisation. Moves so slowly.
0: Moves slowly and grows too attached to its shell. Exactly. Uh, just first up, uh, you were a public servant in these roles. Would you say the public service culture is alive in ASIO?
2: Yes and no. Okay. ASIO is kind of detached from the public service because one thing you can't do when you're a member of ASIO is be a member of a union. Okay. So ASIO (laughs) didn't have any union representation for the staff. Mm. So we set up our own staff association. And I'll I'll be honest and say that ASIO was probably the most bolshy socialist place I ever worked. Really? Oh, yeah. They they looked after Mm. themselves. We looked after ourselves as workers. Okay. Right. We're united. Yep. There was a greater moment where they took away the 17% leave loading that you get when you take your first two weeks every year, you get a 17% bonus on your pay. And they took it away without telling
0: anybody. Because so- you can do that in a classified organisation. Exactly.
2: They use the old <laughs> need to know principle. Yeah. We're taking it away. Why? Well, you don't need to know. Yeah, we do. It's yeah. ours. We own it. Yeah. They got back at the person who took it away, though, by taking him off the distribution list. List for all flash traffic. So generally the most uh, emergency-prone and highly classified traffic, they just took him off the list for that. And when he turned around and went, why have I been taken off the list? Uh, Our reaction was, oh, you didn't need to know. And we got our 17% back. That's what you call a strike in Asia. (laughs) We don't actually stop work.
0: (laughs) We just stop your work from happening. Mm-hmm. Now, someone who probably hasn't had that much representation <laughs> and um, ha- hasn't probably been that well looked after in the workplace is you, Michelle Stevenson. Career radio and uh, media personality. Maybe a member of a MEAA. but
1: No, I, I, never, <laughs> I never joined the union. <laughs> really? But, look, I, I have to say radio is, is a pretty good gig. Pretty yep. good gig. I mean, I work afternoons. So I, I read the news for Kate to and Marty nationally. So right. I, I mm-hmm. get to get in quite late, which I, I do enjoy. And, you know, I don't have to get dressed.
0: You're not actually really part of the Morning Wars, are you?
1: No, no. no, I do fill in every now and again um, just because I like to get involved in that live feeling. But But to be honest...
0: Radio is a bit nicer than than brekkie tv oh my gosh yeah.
1: radio is way nicer and i have to say the talent genuinely are really nice all mm-hmm. the yeah. talent at nova are really nice people mm-hmm. you don't see the fits you don't hear of all the things that are happening it no. just doesn't happen
2: that's going on downstairs in gb
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah we had to get security because of gb <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can understand that yeah
0: so how did someone whose whole career was supposed to be underground meet someone whose whole career was on the airwaves
1: well, I was doing a podcast about politics and um, with a mutual friend, Andrew P. Street, mm-hmm. who's a really well-known political commentator, and um, we decided to get David in. And I have to say, it was my favorite episode because the stories were coming in; they were they were just unbelievable. They was so funny. He's just really engaging.
2: Oh, stop <laughs> you! No, know you
1: are. I mean, I do I do make him sound better. She does. But you know, it it just there was so much there, and I only I only had fifteen minutes. With them and I thought, gee, well, God, if we could if we could just flesh this out a bit longer, yeah. there's a lot there.
2: There is a lot there.
1: And I think I think we're in a really good time in you know, the current process in history, like mm. where people want to know more about this stuff, like ASIO and counterintelligence. What is going on behind those closed doors?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and I started talking about it because my wife turned around after 9-11 and said, if there it's ever a time for you to do a one-man show about ASIO, because I quit ASIO to become a comedian and an actor because okay. that's a natural progression. Yeah, yeah. So she said, if you're ever going to do a one-man show about it, now is the time and I did it and it just went crazy. Mm-hmm. Like It went gangbusters and then Michelle and here we are. There's plenty
3: more stories to regard. Oh, heaps more. Yeah, lots. Dave, you often hear about people being approached by these organisations as they leave university or when they are at university. Did that happen to you? It- no it happened to me. Oh, really? Yeah. And you said no? I said no.
2: Oh, which one was it? Who was I it? went into satire. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Which is very similar. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. But which, which organisation approached you? Can't say. Oh, come on. I did. But then again, section 92 of the Act. I was outed on national television, so it doesn't matter anymore. Um, yes, that happens. But most likely what happens now is they advertise. Yeah right. Yeah. You see it in yeah, the Seek <laughs> a lot. <is> seek com.
1: <laughs> spying. <laughs> oh look, there's a position. No, it's one of those. It's those those papers that you find on the bus thing where you just pull off a tab. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. just
2: pull off yeah. a. Feel like checking yeah. out at the
1: neighbours. Yeah. Yeah. Bring this number.
2: So did did you just apply? And they no, were like, I was actually. Yeah. Sent by the. I was trying to join the public service. I wanted to get a job in the public service in Canberra because Canberra's got a really great theatre scene. Okay. And I wanted to do theatre at night, so I thought get
0: a job in the public service. So that did come first. Yeah. Yes. You're a thespian
1: first.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And let me tell you, some of the best acting lessons I ever got were with ASIO.
0: Okay.
2: Um, When you've got to pretend to be a hostage in a hijack situation, man, you start acting real hard, real fast.
0: Can Can I just interrupt? Has anyone ever come up with the term thespianage?
1: oh my god that is actually brilliant
2: <laughs> he's speechless I'm gonna cry because I didn't think of that and I really wish I had I really can I have that
0: yes can I yeah. yes
2: I can yeah. finally put that on my CV expert in espionage. oh this is gold
0: <laughs> We can edit that part out. This is all just off the record. No, keep it. Yeah. But the podcast is called I Pod. Yeah, it yeah.
1: is called I Spot. And I think I think what listeners are going to get, which is, it's quite good. We do have the the stories that he tells, and they're quite engaging. But then we do kind of delve into, the, you know, the 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 history of things and like how it comes about and what what really does go on behind closed doors. So you will kind of get that taste yep. of what is actually ASIO because a lot of people don't know. Yeah.
2: I didn't when I joined. Yeah, like literally right up until the day I joined, I did not know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. I just thought, "Gee, this is a really involved interview process over nine months." Mm-hmm. Most jobs you get after a, a one interview and a, a week's wait, but it wasn't until I got there and went first went into orientation where they went, "This is what we do," and it was like, oh, "Oops, I may not be in the right place." <laughs> but stayed out, stayed there for seven years because it really became that fascinating. When people ask me where I went to university, I tell them I went to Asia because yeah. that yeah. was my – really was my tertiary education was spending time working for Asia.
1: And some of the stuff that he talks about are the things that, you know – Everyone wants to know, like, what does your file say? Do you have a file? Like, yeah. everyone talks about this, and we spend a whole episode on it.
2: Yeah, by the way, boys, right. you're all over the personal name index. Good God. Really? The has the thickest file. <laughs> <laughs> all press clippings. Yeah, <laughs> A lot of stuff from MediaWatch Watch going, oh, sorry, we didn't realise you were a satirical newspaper.
0: <laughs> do you- I'll ask now, do you have anything that you can't say? Yes. Okay. No. That You're not just a free-flowing beacon of...
2: I got pulled up doing the live show once by an old friend from ASIO. He was their coordinator of operations when I worked there. And he basically turned around to me and said, why did you say this? And I said, well, how did you know this? It was a a very, very, very classified piece of information that I sort of expressed in the live show. It was a great he, bit. Uh, it, was a, it was really funny. It, it got the laser pointer joke out where, you know, the laser pointer goes up to my my dad. Yeah. When I did it once, my dad sat in the audience with a laser pointer going, I'm <laughs> going to love this. Um, but the whole thing was I, I mentioned a very, very, very classified operation that was going on <laughs> because I'd basically gone, hang on you know, X plus Y equals, and I figured it out for myself. Mm-hmm. I had no access to the files. I didn't know what was going on. I just sort of went, you know, this is what I think. And he turned around and went, that's why I really think you should have stayed there. And I went, what? He said, you know, we w- the plan was you would realise the futility of a career in the arts industry and come back to ways, you know, become a generalist and work as an intelligence, like as a, an analyst and an operations officer. And I went, which idiot was going to hold my hand through that process? And he went, I'm the idiot.
0: Right.
2: He's since left ASIO now and makes millions of dollars working in the private sector. Um, as so, you do. As you do. Yeah. But you know, an, it was that weird thing where- As an actor and a comedian too. Yeah. <laughs> mate, look, this podcast is, how much are we making? Oh, my God. This is a private so sector much. job. They're
1: paying yeah. so much. Yeah. And, and like there is- you know, there was a moment in one of the eps where we had to go back and kind of cut a few things out yeah. because he did realise afterwards okay. that that shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. right
3: up. So <laughs> in so it saying does that, are you more afraid of going
2: to jail or drinking some plutonium tea? Probably jail. Yeah. And then drinking plutonium tea <laughs> while I'm there. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not. Overly concerned. Occasionally, I'll sort of like think, oh, what if there's a knock on the door? And then I think my wife will probably answer it. And I'll go, sorry, <laughs> like, Um, No, I've, I've been very cautious in that what I touch on is stuff that is generally like not well-known, but yeah. there is public access to it. And a lot of the stuff is personal experience. Yeah. Uh, of, so inside an operation, what happened mm-hmm. to me inside that operation without actually talking about the operation
0: itself. Yeah. And you, Michelle, sitting here with this man and yeah. pulling these stories out of him, are you shocked every single time you sit down? Yeah.
1: I mean, everything that comes out of his mouth is shocking to me yeah. at yeah. this point. <laughs> um, look, I think I, I am like there. There's always a story. Like mm-hmm. he is literally a man full of stories, and they're always really interesting. And you'll just be sitting there going, "What? Wait, no. like he was just telling me something." Earlier, and I was just get. I was like, no, just stop. And we try to save it for it for the for everyone uh, to. Come uh, yeah,
2: another one I was telling you about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So we we try to save it so everyone can hear that. But I do I do think that listeners are going to be listening and go. Wait, what? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just so unbelievable because we also what we do have to realize we have to put it into context like when he was in Asia it was a different time it was coming to the end of kind of all the Russian involvement the communist okay. era, yeah. so it, it wasn't so much what is happening now it yeah. was like kind of before cell phones and all well, that
2: funnily kind of enough it. The Cold War was ending and the war on terror was beginning to heat up. I mean, Mm -hmm. I used to make a joke in the show about how, you know, 50% of ASIO's budget when the Berlin Wall came down, 50% of ASIO's budget was moribund. It was useless. Only there are probably more Russian intelligence assets in Australia now than there were during the Cold War. Really? Oh, God, yeah. Think about it. Uh, We trade in the same stuff that they trade in. And we're also meant to be a soft target for things like military intelligence. So when you think about it, yeah, they would target Australia. The thing is we've got a very, very, very adept and very skilled intelligence organisation in ASIO looking after it. I mean, a lot of people go, oh, you must hate ASIO if you're making fun of it. No, you know, imitation and... and, and and yeah. that that is the sincerest form of flattery to me. Yes. I still believe to this day that they do a great job. Yeah. I just don't think they need the powers that they've been given, but that's another
1: thing. So you know, yeah. we touch on that and the CIA and like yeah. you know, Russia and all of all of the other counterintelligence um, situations just because it's it's really interesting because you know, like ASIO just isn't sexy and we kind of talk about that. Like yeah. there are no T V shows with about ASIO really. No. And you know, there's no movies done about ASIO spies. There
2: were two. There were two TV shows. <laughs> one yeah. called Secrets, and I actually left Asio to do Secrets. <laughs> it's just
1: awesome. You got a roll in. I got a roll in well.
2: Secrets by saying, "Yeah, guys, I used to work for Asio. Couldn't I couldn't have been And They went, yeah, sure, come on in." And the other one was um, Secret City, okay, which right. was recently Anatole. Yeah. it's fabulous. Mm. Uh, but again, I, every time I watch it, it's like, no, this isn't. Really, how it is, yeah. Yeah. right? Like every time I watch a someone playing an ASIO officer and they pull out a gun, it's like, "Oh, that's new," <laughs> because we don't get guns. No, but ASIS do, don't they? The, well uh, well, only recently they've been given the big brothers. Not big brother so much as annoying cousin. That after the Sheraton, which Asia got blamed for, but it was yeah. actually ASUS, after the Sheraton debacle, ASUS lost their guns. Yeah. Which was stupid because if you are an intelligence officer overseas, you may have need for personal protection. Yeah. So to take them away from them was ridiculous. To give them back, smart. But ASIO, you, know, you don't really need one. Though I was hit by one while I was there. Right. Hurt. So
3: you were Whoop. in the field as opposed to being behind a desk with
2: a pair of headphones on trying to transcribe a bunch of Russian into English? No, I can't speak Russian. So that was no. my job. No, no, no. I worked in the field. I was working in yep. headquarters. But what happened was I was on an operation. Uh, well, I was on a, an exercise, Yeah. terrorist exercise. And I got beaten up by the terrorists. I kind of deserved it.
3: What by by real terrorists? Well, no, 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 by
2: a, fake terrorists. Oh we got gosh. an episode on this. Don't worry, guys. we too much away. <laughs> yeah, not right. Too much away. Basically, I got beaten up, and I deserved it.
0: <laughs> right. Did you? Have you ever come into contact with someone that you feel is a deadly person? I've been married
2: for twenty two <laughs> years, mainly out of fear. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yes. Yeah. Yes.
2: Can't go too much into that because, again, it's one of the episodes we talk about. Yeah, Yeah, they exist. And that's one of the things that people sort of fail to realise is, you know, ASIO don't get guns, but there is an inherent threat of violence there if you don't do your job well. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why a lot of the time when ASIO says no comment, everyone goes, oh, but come on. It's like, no. It can put people's lives at danger. Maybe not an ASIO officer himself, but certainly an agent working for ASIO. So it's one of those things where you've got to be really careful. But yeah, I met people that really, I just like go, you'd probably kill me if you had the chance. Um, My father in law.
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So if ASIO agents aren't allowed to have guns, are foreign agents in Australia, do you think they'd be armed
2: at all? Or. I have had some experience of this.
3: Which, again, a, we
1: talk about Which it. we talk oh, right. about.
2: Uh, in short, yeah, yep. Uh, there are certain embassies in this country that... Uh, every embassy in the country is sovereign soil. Yeah. So that is a little bit of your... Your country. Country. Yeah. Right. So imagine a country that has a population of, say, 330 million and is a global superpower, and out of that 330 million, there is probably 600 million guns. And um, they speak
0: the same language as us. And they speak the
2: same language as us and Mm -hmm. produce a lot of movies and television that we watch. (laughs) You can be pretty rest assured that there will be weapons on the premises and possibly on the premises of the residents of that embassy or the workers of that embassy that may have a need for
0: them. What about on the person of the residents of that embassy outside uh, of yes. that embassy? Yes, yes, particularly
2: yep. if that person is a federal agent that is required to carry one in the du- in the carriage of his duties. Who, again, I've met these guys. They do. I mean, FBI guys in Australia that are seconded or posted to Australia would carry a firearm. They're, they're yeah. meant to.
3: Yeah, I've been to the U.S. embassy in Canberra and spoken to. A marine, a marine there, yeah. who had an assault rifle across yep. his chest, and I was like, "Mate, you're in Yarralumla.
1: <laughs>
3: what do you think is going to come
2: out of the fucking lake? You have yeah. no idea it what like- goes <laughs> on in Canberra, my my friend.
0: Yarralumla
3: right,
2: well. is a hotbed of danger.
3: Well, um, I hope you cover it in your podcast because I'm
0: well, all well, is. Funnily
2: enough, <laughs> we, well, yeah, is there's it a lot of
0: two.
1: Th- I think I think we actually titled it Yarralumla: The Danger Beneath. Uh, yeah.
0: That lurks in the lake. Yeah, the swamp thing. Is there any sex? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well,
1: it's a bit awkward. It's It's public servant sex. It's very awkward sex. It's clunky
0: camera sex.
1: When when you say sex, not so much sexy. Put it this
2: way. Yeah. I really expected the James Bond lifestyle. Yeah. But there you just don't get that. You (laughs) don't I mean, yes. Did I have sex while working for ASIO? Yes. Did I have sex in the line of my duty? Yes. Uh, gray area. Um. Did you use Did
1: you use your job as an excuse to break up?
2: Oh hell yes! yes. <laughs> no, oh God, we
1: covered that. As well. Yes, <laughs> we cover that.
2: Oh yeah, definitely use that. But the other, and also, my job ruined a great relationship. Yeah, totally ruined a great relationship I had going on because I just had to. I had to walk out of my de facto girlfriend at the time. I had to walk out of her birthday dinner. Because I got a phone call. My right. beep, I might get this. This is how long ago I worked there. My beeper went off. Oh, right.
0: <laughs> Dude. And then you had to hit the phone with the ring. And then I had to go into <laughs> the kitchen
2: because we didn't, we didn't even have mobile phones back yeah. then, right? Mobile phones were giant bricks and if anyone had one, it was like, mm-hmm. you're
0: a miracle worker.
2: So, yeah, there was sex and it was fun. So what type of thing
3: would an ASIO agent be called out of a dinner to go and do? like 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 you often hear of like a doctor being called out to go and you know perform an operation but
2: well there you go you've just said the word there uh, perform an operation but an intelligence operation as opposed to cutting somebody open yeah uh essentially i wound up traveling to another city yeah and sitting in a car for about 45 minutes and then traveling back to canberra being told don't tell anyone where you've been
0: okay Right. right what's the longest you've been put on someone in like one sitting are we
2: back to the sex question here?
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no you uh, so you-
2: I wasn't allowed to do a lot of surveillance. Okay. Right. I wasn't because I was too tall. Right. Were, and good looking. Yeah. Um, so what's the That's res- what
1: he likes. to That's what I hear. like to
2: say. Essentially, I was too tall. <laughs> you're too strapping. <laughs> I'm too tall, which makes it too easy to spot me, guys. Yeah. Okay. Right? You're you're yeah. in yeah. counter surveillance. You're looking for the familiar. You're constantly okay. looking yeah. for the same thing over and over. And a tall guy's really easy to spot. Once okay. you've mm-hmm. seen him, he'll keep coming in. The longest was, um, and we talk about this in an episode when I was called out to fly to Sydney to follow a diplomat who'd left canberra without notification a target countries generally have to notify foreign affairs if they're leaving
0: the act, the ACT.
2: Yeah. he didn't he just flew off and that's where we had it really got it was a it was a grotesquely it, sexy ending. It
1: <laughs> it is probably my favorite ending ever. <laughs> yep. It was. Was it a happy <laughs> ending? <laughs> yeah,
2: it was for him. It wasn't for us. It was really not a happy ending for us. That's not something you want to see at
0: lunchtime, <laughs> no. honestly. You're you're kind of if they were to put you in surveillance, your best scenario would be sitting in a car. Yeah. Yeah. Or a static watch. So okay. sitting in a watch post. Okay.
2: Which I I lived in one once. I didn't actually do the job, but I live there. That made it very awkward when I brought my girlfriend home because I had to go, can I bring my girlfriend home? And they said, sure, but don't let her into the room. Yeah. So I was sitting <laughs> on That's and, my housemate's room. He doesn't ever come out to go in there. And, but no, no, the <laughs> room had some serious lockage on it as yeah, well. Right, yeah. But the great thing was we're sitting there on the couch <laughs> watching watching the television and front door opens and I'd briefed the static watch guys that were working there that look, I'm gonna have my girlfriend over this night. And it's like, yep, no worries about it. Sky walks in, oh, g'day, Terry. Oh, Dave, how's it going? Great. He goes into the room, uh, unlocks the door with the three keys, goes <laughs> in and shuts it. And then 15 minutes later, a completely different guy walks out. It's like, yeah, see you later, Terry. And the girlfriend's like, what's going on? <laughs> what? I went, Terry, no, there was a different guy. No, it no, wasn't. No, no,
0: no, yeah, no, that no. one didn't last long either. <laughs> oh, it sounds oh. like it, I, I look forward to hearing someone make Canberra sound exciting. Canberra's a great place. Yeah. Yeah. I really get tired of people going, oh, it's really boring. No, look. Like, Here's the
2: thing I love about Canberra: you can go and buy a case of beer at one o'clock in the morning. Try that in Sydney.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And Try you used th- to be able to get fireworks. And what? The- and porn. And the can. one thing that we discovered is we both went to the same high school in Canberra. Right. Yeah. So that we, we kind of uncovered that during and this whole thing. Did
0: you, uh, Michelle, have any friends who went down that path just because they were born in Canberra? They were not not that particular path, but just. Became part of the Canberra machine. Yeah,
1: a lot of people do, yeah. and the reason why I was there was because my my father was in the air force. Right. So like usually, like everyone you know yeah. is either affiliated with like the air force yeah. or, so, or something yeah. like my
2: that. My dad, we were in Canberra because Dad was Navy, and yeah. Dad was mm. Navy Intelligence as well yeah. in the end, which made uh. it really awkward because dad like was James na- Bond. Well, Dad was Navy Intelligence. My mother was ex Navy, and at one point she travelled to the Soviet Union. She went on a holiday and flew into Europe via Moscow. Uh, as she said when she got out of Moscow, I'm going to vote Liberal for the rest of my life. <laughs>
0: right. Come on, Mum. Vote Mal, eat pal. Yeah. <laughs> She's doing all right. Do, do little things like that you find uh, come up as issues in your clearance and or, or, or whatever when they're looking into you?
2: I think it probably delayed my entrance in OASIO you know, while they double-checked the fact that Dad was intelligence, Mum was a Navy communicator, admittedly long ago, back in the 50s. But mum visiting Moscow, they would have double-checked and double-checked and double-checked. And also I think they were going, do we really want to hire a guy whose name is the name of a, a fictional spy? Yeah. yeah. Which I always went, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> I think they basically went, yeah, let's get him in. Let's <laughs> screw the Brits up totally.
0: Now, can you tell us a uh, story you mentioned to us when we, when we first spoke off air? A- aside from your clearance and all your family and everything they need to look into, yeah. you've also got to be careful about the people you hang out with in your spare time. Yeah. Uh, have you got any uh, particular stories? I mean, there was one you were mentioning earlier about how, uh, you know, your your recreational activities became of interest to your well, employers.
2: My my true career, as opposed to my part-time job working for ASIO, uh, was theatre. And Canberra has this incredible theatre community. And there was one theatre that I did a lot of work at, a tonne of work at. And one of the things you do at ASIO is, you know, lunchtime, you get to go into the file stacks and pull a file and read it. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what this is about because y- your clearance takes you to that point where you can go and have a look at something. <laughs> really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at and I, at I, anyone's file? Not at anyone's right. file and I didn't look at personal files. I like subject material. That's, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. looking at subject files and one was a theatre company that I worked for <laughs> that was regarded as a hotbed of communism mainly because <laughs> a well-known communist did a couple of shows there. Right, and the funny thing is as I talked to people that, were mentioned on the file, didn't tell them that they were mentioned on the file but sort of said, oh, oh, I understand that such and such used to work here. And they were, you know, yeah, yeah, he was a bit of a rat bag but nice bloke, nice enough. It it was really quite interesting but what I found was more interesting is the more I worked there, the more I kept meeting British and American diplomats that had a bit of a theatrical bent to them. (laughs) And then one day the list of declared office intelligence officers. So these this is a list of all the foreign intelligence officers that countries have actually said, he's our intelligent intelligence officer, he's in your country to liaise with him. And I went through it and most of them were members of the same theater company. It was just like, I love it. Spies <laughs> just want to be
0: actors.
1: <laughs> right? Pretty much. Yeah.
2: And it was but the the one thing was I was very very indiscreet in telling but Funny enough, can you believe it? I was indiscreet about where I worked mm. at the time, <laughs> the way I'm so not indiscreet about it. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys that showed up, I can remember having a dinner with him and he sort of turned around to me lovely Scottish chap yo so where do you work and I went ah I work for ASIO ha 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 ha." like this (laughs) and it turned out he worked for GCHQ Um, and it was just one of those things where when I found that out you don't know GCHQ no no
0: I'm I'm staring at you like I know
2: yeah I know you've got that look on your face Mm -hmm. that says yes I've got that look that I have GCHQ (laughs) is their version of signals directorate here so electronic surveillance electronic intelligence so he was their liaison officer over here (laughs) and the great thing was I just turned around and went, uh, anyway, it's all right, please don't worry about it. I think it's quite funny that you're there. Um, he saw the, the humor that I was working there more than the fact that you're an idiot. Um,
1: yeah, and I think we really touch on that a lot in all the episodes, that, like the humor and the situations he ends up being in yeah. and, and the access to some things he just probably shouldn't have had Never. access to.
2: I think to yeah. this day, in fact, right now, Asia is probably sitting there with their heads in their, their hands going, why the hell did we hire this guy? But the other thing that I really liked about it was it was a funny place to work. There were genuinely funny and interesting people that worked in there with you. Uh, I remember one guy walking around with him in a this amazing character that we have not done an episode about, but I want to do just about this one guy who walked uh, he was He was head of protocol. He had the most amorphous title.
0: Head of protocol. Yeah,
2: Head of protocol, right, which makes you go, what do you do? And he was one of the – it took a long time to work out what he did. (laughs) Essentially he did lots of finagling behind the scenes. But he was walking around the building once with a a manila envelope on his head and it's like, yeah, John, what's going on? (laughs) I'm the Pope. And he just walked (laughs) around for like – Half the day telling everyone he <laughs> was the pope, and I just I found that endearing. I liked, I quite liked it.
0: What were you th- in that building for? Any major world events, historical uh, moments?
2: Uh fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm. That was one. The commencement of the Gulf War. That was another one. The uh, first one. Yeah, the first one. First yeah. one. The, uh, first,
0: the first Bush.
2: The first one. The the legitimate <laughs>
0: one.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, that was a really interesting experience because I remember at one point. It, Bush had said, you know, Bush Senior had said, midnight, you're out of Q8 or we come in. And that was four o'clock in the afternoon, our time. So I remember walking into my office. At that point, I was working in a vault with 11 other people, a very small room, but because of the material we were handling, it was so classified and so much of it that we were actually – In a vault. So at the end of the day, we just shut the vault door and lock it off. Whereas most other rooms, you have to clear your desk. We didn't have to clear our desk because if we did that, we'd be unpacking and packing all day. So I remember walking and going, "Right, guys, it's four o'clock. It's on." And somebody being really, really upset. You just want this to happen. And I went, "Well, kind (laughs) of, yeah, because (laughs) this is everything we've trained for." And like it was at the first Gulf War was a monstrous effort from ASIO because they suddenly had to go out and do just interview after interview after interview, like just they're called cold-start interviews where you knock on someone's door and say, hi, we're Asia, we want to talk to you about Saddam Hussein calling for the mother of all battles, to which every Iraqi we spoke to went, why do you think we're here <laughs> yeah. to get away from that nutcase, yeah. right? So it was, a, it was just a safety check kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, it was that was a huge one. The other one, Tiananmen Square was horrific because yeah. none of us saw it coming. Well, none of us saw the fall of the Berlin Wall coming. Yeah. The writing was on the wall, but we always thought that the Russians were going to bring the tanks in and end it, but they just didn't have the money. They ran out of cash.
0: Right. And Tiananmen Square obviously didn't happen according to uh, mainstream media and uh, Huawei, but. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah, I believe the, I mean, it was brilliant the way Deng Xiaoping used it afterwards when he turned around and basically said the education, all education are now on is we're going to turn around to every child and go, look. Your parents went a bit nuts. Would you like a flat screen television? And went, let's just give you a little bit of, you know, market capitalism. And, but the rest of the time, we're going to keep the thumb well and truly on your forehead. So, yeah, it was very clever. So,
3: were you there for 9-11? No.
2: No. Right. Got a lot of phone calls from a lot of friends yeah. that night, though. Yeah. Do
3: you think, you know, as you were saying earlier about the man who took away your holidays, how you were leaving him off? the bulletins, the very important stuff that was coming through. Do you, do you think that's part of the
2: reason why 9-11 happened in the first place?
0: <laughs> someone left someone off the- uh, No.
2: Yeah. No. That was entirely-
1: We actually do talk about this on the do podcast. do talk about well. this on the podcast. Yeah, because it's very interesting because everyone everyone has an opinion on September 11th. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think it was just a massive intelligence failure yeah. on the Americans' part because all the, all the pieces were there. When you look- And 2020 hindsight yeah. is, you know, is- what we all believe in but ultimately if there was one guy in the fbi who was screaming from the top of the roofs going this is going these there's yeah. something wrong here yeah he died in the world trade center that day yeah he got it he left up the fbi there was no point in being there no one would listen to him and he took up a job as this head of security at the world trade center and was in the building when the plane hit
3: was his name rick Rascola or something I like remember. that? because there was one guy who went like he he was an english guy Really loved war. Went to um, he fought in Rhodesia, then went to Vietnam, Mm. then became head of security for like um, for an investment bank or something in um, in in New York. Yeah, and then he got everyone out except for himself.
2: Mm. No, this uh, like and this is the thing. These the a lot of the American system was still analog. It was still card files. Yeah, right, right, index files and things like that. Since then, the Americans have totally upgraded their system and for some reason left a USB port in a nexus point. So Snowden went, oh, I wonder what would happen if I plugged a hard drive in here and downloaded everything. Yeah. Right, so they, they went from being pretty much paper-based system to a computer-based system, but they didn't do the right way. They didn't set it up and in fact that it was a sealed system.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I was living – a funny story. I was living in Canada during that time. Mm -hmm. And while I was in Canada, I'd crossed the border just to go across, just to do some – on a ski trip. Didn't have my passport with me, so they were just like, that's fine, just show us some ID. They fingerprinted me and, like, let me go across Anyway, September 11th happened, then they went from, you know, being like this system that didn't really talk to each other. They yeah. uploaded all this information. Now every time I go to the US, I have to go through security and I have to go upgraded. I I can't get through right away. I have to be interviewed because they flagged oh you from God. that day. Flagged me from that day. And you can't get off this list. Oh yeah. You just can't. so I'm on this list every time I go to the US, yeah. I have to go in and sat down, spoken to, really? interviewed mm-hmm. every single time. And I'm there and there's like people crying, really? yeah, <laughs> yeah. begging What the hell do people. they ask you? <laughs> They, they just always ask me, where am I going? What happened? Why do they have my fingerprints? They always ask me these things.
0: <laughs> I was <laughs> having
2: a ski trip in Colorado. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. yeah. And some guys chose that day.
0: Yeah. we um, Another guest we've had on this podcast, Becky Lucas, the comedian, was on her year seven excursion to Canberra on the day of 9-11. Oh, my God. She remembers seeing a lot of grown-ups running around.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that day would have been a nightmare. <laughs> Because I remember sitting at home and watching it on TV and my first thought was I'm going to ring my old extension number at work. I wonder. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock at night. I wonder. Jim Whaley has just gone. This is, I remember ringing the line and when you answer the phone at ASIO, you go, yes, that's it. Yeah. You don't know, say, so, yeah. ASIO, David Callan speaking. <laughs> um, he goes, yes. And I went, what's going on? Who's this? It's Frosty. Talked to you in January and hung up. Really? Yeah. It was an old mate of mine that was sitting at my old desk and he basically went, shut up, go away, we don't have time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh I know you're calling for gossip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey. How's everyone going? Yeah, going? Well, Look, she's still going out with him. They've woken <laughs> up. Joy! I'll speak to you in January. Look, we might think
3: it's 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 these goat herders from, you know, a very regional part of Afghanistan that have plotted to do this. Yeah. <laughs> completely missed
2: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go into Iraq. Wait a minute.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. Obviously, conspiracies are back. A lot of people are enjoying yeah. that. Uh, yeah. COVID-19. A lot of inconvenient, a lot of compromise in the life of a lot of people around the world. Mm. You know, the the status quo has been rattled and obviously for want of an answer, people have decided their own truth. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the shit people have put in front of you knowing that you work in Asia? I remember getting stopped at the bus interchange in Canberra. I was still working for Asia
2: at the time and a friend of mine- he literally picked me up by the you know, the scruff of my neck and threw me into, into a window and went, what did you do to Mordecai Vanunu? To which I just went, who? <laughs> <laughs> now, does anyone know who Mordecai Vanunu <laughs> no. is? No. 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 Mordecai Vanunu was the guy who walked out of the Israeli nuclear power station with photos of their atomic warheads, yeah. right? The warheads that Israel still to this day deny having. Yeah. right? So what happened was he walked out of the there and flew to Australia. Then he flew back to England. He flew to Rome, I think it was. He went to Rome to do an interview with Time newspaper, the Times, and then was arrested and spirited away from Rome, back to Israel. And he's still in solitary confinement to this day. Now, the thing was, (laughs) what it turned out was, This friend of mine was here, ASIO did this, and I'm like, I don't know who it is, and (laughs) even if I did know who it is, what makes you think I'd tell you about it? (laughs) But I went and did a bit of investigating, and ASIO – Got nothing to do with them. I yeah. oh, will throw my hands in the air and go, no, nope, there is nothing I can find that would I found when I was working there would do that. If there and this is the thing with conspiracy theories is right, this is what really gets me is how many people does it take to sustain a conspiracy? Well, he
0: was so convincing that
2: you went and did your homework. I went and did my homework. <laughs> yeah. Here's the homework that happened, and this is the story that I love was uh Venunu actually wound up in Sydney with a bunch of Jesuit priests. Right. He converted to Christianity. That was no-no number one. Yeah. He can be like, yeah, you stole our nuclear secrets, but for God's sake, you became a Christian? Yeah. But where he did he took photos using just a little camera. Back in the day, it was film camera. Yeah. It was developed in the 24-hour developing shop on Oxford Street, one of those ones where you can actually see it being developed in the window so you see the photos going through. So some of the most highly classified photos. In the world. In the world were literally being shown to the entire world as they were being developed at <laughs> Oxford Street. Now the thing was, he was picked up because he was he contacted the Times, but also he would have been picked up by simply by traveling. Yeah. Because when you put your passport into the system, it flags your passport everywhere. And mm-hmm. if your passport has a flag on it, as in your situation, every yep. time you go to the United States you get stopped. Yeah. Once you're in the system, they can find you. Yep. And that is essentially what happened was the and the Israelis the Israeli intelligence services are very, very good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Like really good. Like scary like to the point where most people don't want to deal with the Israelis because you're never gonna win. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that so that was one of the conspiracy theories. My other favorite conspiracy theory was this person who wanted Azio to stop John Laws for bugging her teeth.
0: <laughs> As in her chompers? Yeah. yeah. In
2: her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> One of the great things we used to read was the crank file. Okay. And the crank file was unsolicited. Tips. Tip-offs. Tip-offs. <laughs> um, now, let's think of the Be Alert But Not Alarmed National Security Hotline. Yeah. About how many phone calls do you think they got? I've just seen, I've just seen a bag uh, by itself in Canberra Airport. I've seen a hundreds bag by right itself in
0: Newcastle Airport.
2: About 20,000. Cool. It wasn't that big. Right. About 20,000. Out of that 20,000, <laughs> about 10,000 had to be actioned. Somebody yeah. had to investigate this. Mm. That's a lot of work for an organization that isn't that big. ASIO is not this hugely encompassing yeah. Yeah. edifice. It's actually a very small boutique little federal agency. So we get unsolicited letters mainly. Generally, if you're if you're writing us a letter, it's not that urgent. But we'd read those <laughs> letters and a lot of the time it was like, that's gotta go to the crank file. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. When the UFO landed on your house, um, and a Russian-speaking yeah. alien, okay, okay, yeah, right, fine. Yeah, we'll check it out. We'll have a look. We'll check, and you do. You check all the names. You check yeah. all the, the organisations or groups that may be mentioned in it. And generally, when you do that search, it comes up with bunkers, mm-hmm. yeah. and then it just goes into that file where at lunchtime you read it and go man, get back on your meds, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So there was a lot of that stuff going on as well. But most of the conspiracy theories, you know, bombing was a conspiracy theory. You know, according to a lot of people, the CIA did it. Yeah. Um, They were the, the <laughs> power behind it. 9-11 conspiracies yeah. are yeah. Which we
1: touch on. But, and I, th- I think one of the things that we also talked about, because in my profession as well, like I, I always run into people who have these massive conspiracy theories. I mean, we've got the 5G going on at the yeah. moment. Oh, yeah. And we, we do talk about this. We're like... To maintain a conspiracy theory, that, well, maintain a conspiracy, yeah. Like a, it means that a lot of people aren't saying anything. Yeah. And do you think that that would ever happen? Like something on the scale of nine eleven? Yeah. It just is impossible.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's there, There's a lot of, uh, like, I mean, do you also find we're expecting a lot of elected officials? I mean, a lot of like these people. Like to do their job. Well, they yeah. would fuck up a cup of coffee. You think they could orchestrate nine <laughs> eleven?
1: That's and that yeah. we talked about that as well. So true. <laughs> That's true, and I mean
2: the other thing as well is uh, one of the great, great consp- well not conspiracy so much as one of the great secrets was the Cuban Missile Crisis and how that was solved. Right, essentially they had a businessman in Turkey. Right, the Americans had a bus- New businessman in Turkey that could also talk to the Russians, had contacts with Russia. So basically through this middleman, through a what's called a cutout. They got the information across and they said to the Russians, if you take your Cuban missiles out, we'll take the Titan missiles out of Turkey. Yep. Nobody will ever know this. No one will tell anyone that this happened. Right, now, something like that would have probably required 15 or 20 people. Yeah. That's not a lot of people for a conspiracy to rest on. And yet within three years, it was public knowledge. Yeah. Right? So that's the thing. I mean, the moonshot... That would have taken tens of thousands of people to create,
0: including like forty people in Parks, New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. Like,
2: come, come on, they played cricket on that dish. You cannot expect them to be completely discreet. So the whole thing with conspiracy theories is, and as we say in the uh, the episode, it really is more to aggrandize the theorist than it is anything else. I know something you don't. I'm smarter than you. Yeah. That's what a conspiracy theory yeah. does
0: and that uh, that's why we look forward to your podcast because there's a lot we do not know mm-hmm. and it's and it's actually great to hear it come from an actual authority um
1: well, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: As close we as, as we're going <laughs> to get
0: to it. And say. it's also great to have a handler here to just woo you up when you start maybe applying that creative licence that would have yeah, made yeah. for a great yeah. career in
3: yeah. Asia. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to come home to an envelope of uh, suspicious white
0: powder that yeah. Yeah. I can't breathe in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Isn't
1: that Sydney's East? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Bondi yeah. marching powder.
1: I'm
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, none of that in Canberra, of course. Yeah, whatever
2: you do, whatever you do. If it smells of marzipan. Don't open it. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. This is I Spy, David and uh, Michelle. This is um, very exciting stuff. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Thanks for having Thank us. No worries.